0: Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tullamore, supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands, worshaw.ie.
1: Good evening and welcome to Country Life here on Midlands 103. It's MJ Cleary with you for the next hour, bringing you the latest from the Midlands and further afield from the worlds of agriculture, food and agribusiness. Now, thank you all for joining me. And a week of silage making since I was speaking to you all last Wednesday. Pretty much all first cut silage made at this stage and what a fantastic chance we had over the course of the last 7 to 10 days. Bulk in general has been pretty good And it's been great not to be racing against the weather clock for once obviously our attention now turns to grass growth and that's something i'll be covering with adam woods a little later here on the program Adam will give us a rundown of the current grassland management strategies on the Tullamore farm and also a rundown on the beef trade with factories continually pulling prices over the course of the last number of weeks. We'll see what's behind this and when is it going to stop. There is an Irish Grassland Association event taking place in County Westmead next Tuesday evening at 6pm. It's in Crooked Wood on the farm of Chris McCarthy just outside Mullingar. Chris is a suckler farmer who runs Continental Cross Cows with a Charlie Bull. He's calving down just shy of 50 cows and he's doing this while working full-time off-farm. The other interesting part of this story is that Chris's suckler farm is profitable uh, and that's what we want to hear when we're talking about beef farming and that's down simply to high-quality breeding. Uh, When I say simply, it took a number of years to get this herd up and running to the level it's currently at and it's at a really high level now. We'll chat to Chris a little bit later here on the program about his system. A new online platform, Thefarm.ie has just been launched by a Dublin man, David Johnson. I'm going to speak to him later on. It's going to be an online space where you can sell everything from a knapsack to a combine, and the best of all is that it's free. We'll hear more about that a little later in the hour, and that's D-A-F-A-R. F-A-R-M dot I-E, thefarm.ie. As always, please text the show with your comments, thoughts or questions to 083 103. Be happy to bring to our guests this evening. Now, first up, I have Leishman and South Leinster Chair Francie Gorman on the line. Francie, many thanks for taking my call this evening.
2: No, hey, good evening to you. Uh,
1: and Francie, the uh, wait is over and you finally made your announcement. Can you tell us all what you have decided, please, with regard to the IFA presidency?
2: Yes, yeah, I suppose the way you put it, the way it is overlooked, there has been a good bit of speculation there, I suppose, since the beginning of the year about who who would run and who wouldn't run for the position of president of IFA um, at the end of the year. And <clears throat> I suppose I would have, I've would, I've decided here after a good bit of consideration and talking to the Royal County executive leash. Mm-hmm put me in forward I was proposed to the executive last night um in, in Port Leash and look, probably would have done it sooner but for the fact that I suffered a very badly broken leg um in late December. It's really only in the last month that I'm I'm, I'm back walking properly on it. So Because out there okay now um I've been involved in IFA for probably since, you know, before the beat block kit when Tom Hart was president um uh, active for nearly twenty years at county level and, and national level and I'm sitting on the the National Office Committee at the minute at South a Chair and look I, I honestly believe I can I can bring something to the table if I'm elected president and present farmers and, and put my name forward you now for consideration by members before the end of the year and fingers crossed that, you know, I'll be able to be elected and do a job for farmers.
1: Yeah, fantastic stuff, uh, Francie. It is a big decision to make. Uh, it's uh, a big, big, big commitment, uh, not only if uh, if you should be given the role of, of president, but just the election process itself. I know from a number of years back, covering here in the programme, you'll be up and down the country at hustings, and it's uh, an arduous process, to say the least. Um, not a simple decision, so it, you took your time with it.
2: Yeah, I did. It really was once I realised in the last month to get back walking properly, it probably became clearer, a lot clearer in Egypt. And look, I have good back and here from my wife Kay and my family uh, in, in, in taking the decision and in people in Egypt. It is, you know, look, it's a huge role um, in Irish farming. You know, I think president of IFA can influence greatly the incomes of all farmers and how we go about doing our business. And I believe greatly in the strength of IFA and how it, how it, can, how it can influence that in a positive way. And be hoping to drive and I think it's, it's, it's hugely important. Remember May McHugh saying to me when I was county chair in the number of years ago, the, the importance of everybody in rural, uh, rural Ireland sticking together. So, you know, whether you're a dairy farmer or a member or another organisation or just involved in business in rural Ireland, you know, there are times when we need to stick together and ensure that we have a, a fantastic agricultural industry in this country and it needs to be protected. And the idea that, you know, just it's the economic sustainability of our industry is going to be by climate change obligations to say the least that are not even foolproofed. And and at the moment, we'll be due to even f- what they might deliver, uh, you know, is not acceptable to me. And it's not acceptable to IFA at the moment. And, you know, the, on issues like that, we need to be unified in rural Ireland to ensure... Protect, protect our industry and protect, you know, the, our ability. Farmers and non-farmers make a living on the back of, of a, good, a good farm industry, and, and uh, it would be one of the core things that would to um, uh, happen if I was elected. And we'd stand stronger together and more unified uh, as a group in, in rural Ireland. And you know, uh, look, uh, I'm putting my name out there. i would have got to work hard for the next six months, and if elected, I'll I'll work equally. A period of time while I'll be president, and, and look. I always say these are about hope to stand up for each other. I right? stand up for farmers on any issue, whether it's a dairy issue, a beef issue, uh, issues like re wetting, uh, the actual back, whatever it is. Uh, it, and from day to day, you never know what issue is going to come across your desk, and you can only deal with the man you arrive. But I, I stand up for farmers the very same way as I stand up for myself. I'm elected. And I worked for a period of four years and make sure to try and bring people together and uh short of that started at the moment, I had say probably much else like you know.
1: Uh, no, absolutely, Francie. Look, huge amount of issues as you, sh- as you say at the moment. Just, your reception is just in and out me uh, a little, Francie. I might just ask you to, you might move in uh, cl- closer to uh, um, somewhere where you have a slightly better reception there, maybe a window or something. But uh, when it comes down to the big salient issues that are in front of you and are in front of Irish farming at the moment, look, obviously, bog wetting is one of the big, big, big ones at the moment. It's everywhere. It's plastered all over it. But it's a, a part of the, the grand scheme of the environment. We see the EPA figures uh, there. This week, we're not going to meet the 2030 threshold as we currently stand. Agriculture is to cut down by 25%. We're on track to achieve 19 which in itself is a big thumbs up and has shown all the work we've done. But we're still a, a, a way away from it. This isn't going to change. Uh, it, it's going to stay going in this direction. Is it going to be possible for the IFA, Francie, to be able to steer farmers through these very choppy waters of the environment over the coming years?
2: I think you know, the very fact that the ADA say at this stage that we're on course to meet a 19% reduction or a 25% reduction that was put in front of us, to me, uh, that shows how farmers got into the technology and the advances in science. I mean, the use of things like, you know, the chagas mack protected urea, low emission, very spreading, better breeding practices, um, uh, more efficient, uh, how we look after animals, uh, you know, whether they're dairy, beef animals, more efficiently has driven us to that point and that is a huge achievement and it's quite quite unlikely that there's no sector going to reach uh, going to reach their target. So and, and and the target that we were set as farmers at twenty five percent. Be clear you know, if you're if you're in any other industry you have the ability to pass your costs on somebody else. But we really are at the bottom of the ladder when it comes to passing on our costs. That's why the twenty five percent target was always going to be challenging for us. Uh, even if we met it, it was going to hurt us in terms of, of we do not have the ability to pass our costs on the same as other industries do have. And I think, you know, rather than focusing on figures like 25%, what we need to focus on is the fact that we produce our food more efficiently than anybody else in the world or as efficiently as, as most places in the world. It's probably fair to say we need to continue to do that. If it's produced somewhere else, it's going to be a bigger issue for the planet uh, in terms of how we save uh, save the planet. And if you look at, I suppose, in particular, you look at the way COVID was handled, and we were told the vaccine would take 10, 15, 20 years to develop and get to market. It could be done in two years. So the focus here has to be on science and technology to make sure that we can deliver our targets and exceed them. And if the money is invested in that way, and if the money is invested in farms to ensure that we can adopt them, I have no doubt that then we'll be able to continue to produce food in a most, in, in 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 a very sustainable manner, and, and continue to farm, uh, uh, you know, and produce as we are today, while while meeting our climate change targets, and that has that that can o- can be the only way it can be done. Any other way, you're just touching at straws, and you're 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 looking at an outcome uh, that you have no control over. And it's important that we protect protect our agricultural industry and our primary uh, primary agricultural industry at farm levels.
1: Uh, the final point I'll make, Francie, and uh, just to get your comments on it, is that area of bog re-wetting. Obviously, Lee Shoffley, Westmead, uh, right here in the Midlands, this is the one that's going to hit <coughs> us massively and going to hit all these neighbouring fans. Minister McConlock has said that uh, it'll be all state-owned lands that will be re but the issues are the neighbouring lands. Uh, what's your viewpoint on it, Francie? My own,
2: my, uh, first, uh, first, it has to be a line issue for us that, you know, if, if, if a farmer decides uh, not to re can't be forced to rewet by stealth because there's a burden of one bog him or because other farmer beside be stating he wants to take, uh, uh, he wants to rewet his land. So, okay, if someone wants to rewet their land, we need to, have to do it in a way that it don't affect neighbouring farmers. We have we have pilot projects. If you look at Paul's bog, where they have, you know, they rewet the the centre of a of a massive area. Whether that could be done on a much smaller scale, I don't know. But a red line issue for us has to be that if farmers want to stay farming their land you know people people drain them land drain those lands with shovels and spades if you go back far enough and, and have been probably drained and, and reclaimed on a number of generations at, at huge cost with people making a good living in it i don't believe that's going to destroy the planet we can we should be able to meet our rewetting targets through state lands but it shouldn't be uh it shouldn't affect farmers directly or indirectly if somebody else rewets and that has to be a red line issue for us i will believe what the politicians tell us when i see it when i see it finally put down in front of us at the moment uh they're going to design legislation on rewetting and they're not going to tell us how it's going to be done and that's unacceptable no impact assessment done in terms of particularly in terms of uh, an economic in, impact assessment done on rural areas if these targets are met and that's unacceptable as well. It wouldn't be acceptable in any other any other area and I don't see why farmers have to, should have to put up with it no more than anybody else.
1: Uh, very good, Francie. I'm going to leave it there and look, we will be speaking to you over the coming months as the uh, presidential run-in hots up. Uh, congratulations on running and uh, we wish you well and as I said, we'll be speaking to you over the next few months. Many thanks, Francie, for joining me. Francis Gorman there South Leinster chair from the IFA who has declared that he's going to run for the IFA presidency apologies on that interview um, it was in and out a little bit on reception there uh, but the uh, the big salient issues being the uh, environment boggery wetting another one that we covered and uh, be speaking to all the IFA Candidates as the year progresses and we come closer to that presidential race towards the back end of the year. Uh, An interesting one I came across today, a friend of mine actually sent this on Elon Musk, as you will all know, uh, regularly the wealthiest man in the world. He's number two, I believe, at the moment. Uh, He weighs in on the Irish dairy cull proposal. So you will remember a couple of weeks back, the Farming Independent ran with a headline that 200,000 dairy cows were to be culled in order to meet some of these targets, Uh, this 25% reduction by 2030, and how a culling scheme could be brought in and a payment per animal. Uh, Elon Musk came out on Twitter and he said, This really needs to stop. Killing some cows doesn't matter for climate change. Uh, so you talk about science, technology, uh, one of the most, uh, I suppose, scientific and technological brains in the world. They're saying that uh, culling these cows is nonsense. And uh, you'd have to agree, really, when you would see the amount of waste that there is in relation to plastic being used and toys, uh, the amount of fast fashion clothing that's being used. Uh, large companies buying more aeroplanes to fly people around the world that they don't need to go to Uh, all of these unnecessary items uh, which are contributing to climate change Uh, the cow is there producing milk producing food and it is what we need and uh, a credit to Elon Musk there for that a very sensible uh, tweet earlier today. Now, coming up after break, going to be talking to Adam Woods, the beef editor of the Irish Farmers Journal, on managing the drought on Tullamore Farm and also current beef prices. So stay tuned for that.
0: Country Life on Midlands 103, brought to you by W. Orshow Burlington Business Park, Tullamore, supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands, worshow.ie.
1: And you're very welcome back to Country Life here on Midlands 103. Now moving on to Beef and Adam Woods from the Irish Farmer's Journal joins me. Adam, many thanks for taking my call this evening. Good evening, MJ. Uh, Adam, beef trade in a moment, but first the paper tomorrow is leading with uh, drought stories. As I said at the start of the programme, look, we needed lots of dry weather over the last couple of weeks for cutting silage. We have it in now, so now our attention turns to grass growth or lack thereof. And uh, that is what you're speaking about tomorrow. Uh, from the Tullamore Farm perspective, Adam, how uh, how is grass growth? I, I know what the answer is going to be, but tell it to me anyway. Yeah, look,
3: it's dropped off. We've been under a wee bit of pressure. As with some of the dry land out in Clunas an out farm, it, it's very, very dry. Some sandy banks up there, and we always get hit there first. And whereas some of the PD ground back at the home farm isn't too bad, and it's performing quite good, but it will drop back as well. But definitely, that sandy ground is really dropping off at the moment in terms of grass growth.
1: Uh, have you pit silage made? It is pit silage made up in Tullamore, isn't it?
3: Yeah, yeah, so pit silage is in, like the vast majority of farms across the country, Yeah, pit silage is in, and look, an awful lot of hay med around the country too. We actually, uh, Sean, has some hay down out there as well, There's just some paddocks got too strong, we said we put them into hay, it's really, really handy for the sheep, um, and for some of the cows before calving. So, uh, look, great to have that pit silage in, that first cut in, but you'd be a little bit worried now, because obviously we're not going to fertilise um, for the second cut, until we, we get rain forecast, and um, look, we're thinking of maybe some water ice to on some paddocks, but we we don't have a lot of that, so... Um, it's just bide our time and and try and extend out that grass as as much as we can and look we'll go in to supplement if we have to but uh, we'll try and avoid that for another week or so to see what happens there is rain forecast for the weekend not an awful lot but there may be enough just to get some fertiliser out maybe next week
1: and for the paddocks then the grazing paddocks I I presume you've um, stopped uh, topping or, or mowing following on cows have you?
3: Yeah, absolutely. There would have been some paddocks, actually, Sean would have taken out. It had have been normal time, they would have been taken out for bales. But given where we are, we don't want to take them out now and we'll just walk our way through them. Look, it's not ideal in terms of grazing heights or that, but it's just a matter of keeping cows sort of stalled up as as long as we can to extend the rotation because it takes a little bit longer in those really dry conditions for a grazing sword to come back into itself. And the rotation won't be as quick. So if we can extend that out to maybe 25, 30 days, and we will do that going through some of those heavier paddocks, um we'll hopefully avoid the need to win with, with supplement. And look, we're obviously looking to the rain for the weekend or next week. to ho- Hopefully we get a, a a decent amount. Look at this, it's not looking great, to be honest. The forecast is changing all the time and it's sort of moving away in terms of that rain that's coming or it's getting lower amounts that's being forecast. So we'll just have to wait and see and look at everybody else in the same boat and just deal with what comes.
1: The stronger paddocks that the cows are going into then, Adam, are you going to strip graze those or what's your policy or plan
3: yeah so you won't be giving them all at one time uh, he'd run a fence across and then split them in half or quarter again just to to increase utilization some of the calves are going out under a fence as well in some cases so um it's, it's sort of leading to a little bit of forward stuff you could make the cows work a wee bit harder if the calves are going ahead uh we'd probably start to supplement if we're going to supplement we'd go in there with maybe trust in that next paddock in terms of maybe you know in terms of the calves in terms of keeping them going because sometimes the cows get dried up at this time of the year. It can be hard to get them going again. And so the cows reduced back on milk, and, and it's hard to get them going again as well. So look, we have dealt with it before down there. I suppose twenty eighteen is, is is the is the memory we we don't want to remember. Um, as regards it was for a number of weeks there. Um, in July I think it was. As regards um, drought, um, and look, we're we're looking at the same situation again. But I suppose we're in the very early stages of that. I suppose it's quite divided again. MJ I suppose the south and the east. A really hard hit, whereas up here at home in Cavan, you know, we're not we're not that bad yet. You know, it's a sort of a green drought to explain it, but you know, fields aren't aren't yellow uh, by any means. And, and I'd say our soil moisture deficits up in this end of the country aren't as bad. And I'm sure there are farmers in, in, listening in are in the same situation on different type of ground that that isn't hitting yet, but definitely those farmers on dry ground it definitely is starting to hit. Um, and look, we've a load of advice in, in this week's paper as regards, I suppose, even from simple things like water. You know, like a suckler cow, they're sucking a calf can drink up to 90 litres of quarter a day, and you know, some drinkers can be under pressure during that real dry weather, and have the cows drinking an awful lot around them. And you know, a drinker gets knocked over for a couple of hours, and, and you, you know, cattle don't get drinking and they get arrested, and they maybe break out of a fence or whatever. And, and even as regards, it's funny, you know, you talk about hydrating stock, but hydrating yourself as well, you know, especially older members of the family or younger members of the family who. Who might might um, not we'll say take on water uh, very very important and also the sunscreen look at that's all common sense but sometimes when the pressure is on and the silage is coming in and he has to be torn and square wheels have to be lifted you forget about those little things and it's important to keep the thing going
1: yeah keep yourself right uh, you're the most important asset in the farm uh, isn't, isn't that it uh, now Adam moving on to beef you kill some cattle on Tullamore farm uh, tell us about those first and then we'll move on to the trade in general
3: Yeah, so 15 bulls killed 22nd of May Look, a disappointed MJ to be honest Um, We done a budget on them last January As regards whether to keep them or sell them um as sort of Wienlands are coming on to yearlands and we said we needed five fifty um to get out uh to, to, to make it worth a while sort of for finishing them. And look over we at five thirty three there I think is the price sort of first fifteen. So that was that was the wrong decision. And look I'll hold my hands up. We said we'd take a punt and we said we'd finish on we'd finish them every year down there. But doing up the, the calculations this week it's it's two hundred and six euros less that we we're taking for our buzz this year than we did last year. Obviously, costs haven't changed that much. You know, our finishing meal is still up at 400 a ton. Um, Fertiliser, you would have come back a bit, um, but, but but not a lot when we bought it sort of early. Uh, so massively frustrating there. Um, as regards, you know, you're, you're killing another 16-month bull. You're killing a very low, you know, GHG emissions, green gas emissions. Um, you're doing everything right. He's in the spec, 385 kilos, an R plus 3 equals, well, well fat covered, and yet, it, there we have it in terms of 200 less and look at it's just for smaller finishers I suppose it's really you know the writing's on the wall for smaller finishers I think it's going to go with bigger finishers all the time and those contracted guys The, 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 the small. It's, it's, he's really been squeezed he or she's really been squeezed as we have that smaller finisher.
1: What did those bulls uh, kill into one against another Adam the 15 of them
3: I think it's 2050 or 2060. I think is what they're what they're coming into. Last year, beef price was 580 at this stage, um, and I think it's 533 is is this year's price. So on a 385 kilo carcass, it's 50 cent less. So it's it's up, it's up around that 200 euros mark.
1: And r- um, roughly, what type of concentrate would they have eaten over their life? Actually, sure.
3: In a lifetime, energy you're probably be talking you know 1.5, 1.6 tonne I'd say. Um, you know, they would have come off the cow at a good weight because it was a good milky cow down there, and and performance was good. You know, livestream performance is up at sort of one point four one kilos a day. Would have liked them to do a wee bit more, maybe add day. But we find down there because we're taking a sort of a a I, I calf that's gaining very well off the cow there isn't that big jump when they get on to ad lib or whatever and, and we'll say the ad lib performance is around 1.5 kilos a day but um, yeah look at everything is good and, and we're happy with the performance and we're happy with the growth rates and pretty happy with the grades would have liked another few years but Uh, When it comes to as with price, that's the one piece we're we're really disappointed.
1: That's that's the big one, isn't it? Uh, Adam, beef trade in general—bad news for farmers over the course of the last uh, number of weeks. There's week-on-week drops. Where are we at the moment on, on beef prices this week?
3: Yeah, we're working probably another 5 cent cut, MJ. We're working sort of 5 euros to 5.10 probably for bullocks and 5.05 to 5.10 maybe for heifers, maybe 5.15 at a push. Um Look at, I suppose there's one positive in this week, a number of factories maybe buying cattle for next week and they're buying them at the same again. So, that, so there isn't the same cut, cut cut coming next week. Cows under pressure as well. We're back to four sixty for hours Their Cows were the one highlighted of trade over the last sort of month or six weeks and that that manufacturing trade was going really well, and, and cows were staying up, but they're taking a dip now this week, and again very frustrating for I suppose indoor finishers. There, look at for for grass cattle, maybe it, it won't be too bad, but but definitely the, the, the those indoor finishers have got really badly scalded in the last month or six weeks because they're the dearest cattle to come out of a shed as we guys been on feed a very long time. Um, outlook is uncertain, I guess, in terms of numbers are still pretty tight, around 32,000. Um, UK maybe under a wee bit of pressure in the last week or 10 days. Northern Ireland the same, maybe back two or four pence. And then further afield as well, we look to China, you might say, well, look at what what consequences China on it. But China's really slowly going again out of that sort of recession, that cold recession. And we would have thought they would have been bouncing back a lot harder and we would have been shipping beef out there big time but the 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 purchasing power of consumers out there has seems to be a lot slower and just an awful lot slower coming back into fray. So look at Bank issued a beef report this week, we have it in the paper. It's looking at sort of Q two, Q three, possibly even Q four before that gets back to normal. So outlook is pretty good because European production is tight and, and lower production is tight, but just that I suppose cost of living squeeze coming into consumers. You'd hope that this good weather would really get barbecues going across the UK but we haven't seen that jump yet. So Look at it, it's, it's wait and see, but it's just, it's just, it's, it's on the balance there at the moment. We really needed to be over five euros there to be to be making ends meet.
1: You took the words out of my mouth with the good weather, Adam. I I would have thought the complete opposite there over the last few weeks. I would have thought the man would have been very, very high. But as you said, that cost of living squeeze, it, it's real and it's apparent. There's no question about it. Lastly, Adam, before you go, just a word on the March trade, please.
3: Yeah, mark trade is probably, it's it's tracking um, in terms of where that factory trade is going for those heavy cattle numbers well, well down over the last seven days. We've seen a huge dip in numbers. We've got an awful lot of field working on, silage going on, hay going on. So people aren't showing cattle in March. Buyer activity is a little bit less as well. Turkish lira a little bit and We just have a little story on that as well as regards Turkish lira weakening a lot towards the euro in the last sort of 10 days. And we're shipping a lot of weaners out to Turkey. You know, we're not shipping them, we're rolling on, rolling off um, as regards... Um, out to Turkey, we are close to 10,000 gone, but th- they've been a little bit quieter over the last sort of seven days as well. Those exporters you just be worried about where that currency is going. Obviously, Turkish elections and there's a change in policy out there, so hopefully that will regain again towards autumn time. Not as critical now for the next couple of months, but when we get back in August and September, very very important that, that trade gets going again. Low numbers of Englands out there, um, and, and in terms of those grass cattle. Yeah, tipping away there probably upwards to sort of three euros a kilo for the top end cattle there, which which is still pretty positive. And um, but definitely the cattle trade in general being under a little bit of pressure, uh, going on where the factory trade is going.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Many thanks, Adam. We'll speak to you again here on the program. Uh, Adam Woods from the Farmer's Journal I'm going to move on very quickly to my next guest after the break I'm going to be speaking to Chris McCarty Chris is a suckler farmer from Crooked Wood just outside Mullingar and he has an Irish Grassland Association farm walk taking place next Tuesday at 6pm Stay tuned and you'll hear all about Chris in just a moment
0: Country Life on Midlands 103 Brought to you by W Show Burlington Business Park Tillamore Supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands WORSHOW.ie
1: and you're very welcome back to Country Life here on Midlands 103. Now we're moving on to a suckler event that's taking place in Crooked Wood, just outside Mullingar in County Westmead, next week on the farm of Chris McCarthy. Chris, many thanks for taking my call this evening. Uh,
4: uh, good evening, Andrew. How are you
1: this evening? Uh, very good, Chris. Uh, look, you were probably listening earlier on, we're uh, like most farmers now in the Midlands, silage is made, but people are looking for a, a little bit of rain. Uh, no doubt the same yourself on your, on your farm there in Crooked Wood.
4: Yeah, same story as listening to the muds, and our farm is no different than Tullamore Farm. Sadly, it's done, grass getting scarce, but hopefully, we might get a bit of rain this weekend, but hopefully, it won't fall on Tuesday, though, the day of our farm walk.
1: Yeah, Tuesday. Choose the 6 pm, you're inviting people out, uh, Chris. And I, I know your farm very well, Chris, because I did my green search years ago over in Mullingar and you were the, the base farmer for us. So I think we were out with you for five or six times. And uh, I have to say, genuinely, I did learn a lot from your, your, your setup, a very straightforward setup. And uh, it just does what it says on the tin, and that's what I liked about it. And uh, that's why I'm publicising it this evening, because I think people can learn from it. Uh, give us a little bit of background, Chris, please, uh, about your farm and what the enterprise is exactly.
4: Look at um, we're here. Say just outside Crookwood, with uh, 28 hectares. It's all in one block. Um, It's a spring calf, and a herd we have. Uh, They're mainly um, the type cow. Have managed a quarterbred limousine cow. We run Charlie Stock Bull. Um, All the bull calves are now are finished in the farm under 16 months. The heifers are sold off the farm to a local farmer after being weaned in the fall of the year. At the moment, we're buying we're buying replacement heifers. Uh, they're buying as maiden heifers, and the calves down before the main group. Um, we have a couple of pedigree cows on the farm at the moment too, be, um, basically to breed some st- a stock bull, and also we um, show some pedigree bulls. Um, look at the, um, I myself work uh, full time off the farm. I'm self-employed, so takes up uh, when you're seven ply it's not just eight to five like you know you uh, were a in construction takes up a lot of your time even in evenings looking at jobs uh, pricing jobs invoicing jobs so the farm is set up around that That um, the, the workload is light on the farm the farm itself I suppose as you said on, is divided all into paddocks very simple to move the cows they used to be moved they're moved every second or third day so handling the Stock on the farm can be done by one man. With regards to calving, I suppose uh, the yards are is quite well set up. There's good calving pins. We have cameras set up, so when I work myself, you know, I generally keep an eye on the cows calving, and the majority of the cows will calve their own.
1: Yeah, what uh, what you have, uh, Chris, as you explained it there, is you have a very straightforward setup that allows you to work off farm. Because let's be real about it, not many uh, beef farmers working full time on the farm anymore. Uh, but uh, a couple of different things stand out on your uh, farm. One of those is, is the stocking rate. Uh, it's 28 hectares, so just uh, around 70 acres, and you're calving down just under 50 cows, so you're, you're, you're really tightly, you're heavily stocked on that. How do you find that year on year? Yeah,
4: look, at uh, we are heavily stocked, and a number of years ago I was in a program called the Better Farm Program, and we were heavier stocked in. We reduced our, our cow numbers, and the reason we reduced my cow numbers is it was above the 170 uh, uh, kilos, Nitrate, so um, I was in derogation there for three or four years. So we pulled back out that. I found as I was heavily stocked, it was ne- nearly easier to manage the grass. And uh, we used to measure our grass, I haven't done in the last two or three years. uh I find it a big loss because I found measuring grass was a great tool, great for making decisions whether to put out extra fertilizer or whether to pull a paddock and maybe bail it or something. But, um,
2: um
4: I, I suppose
1: uh, um, And did you move away from measuring grass Chris for a particular reason was it because you, no, went, it you went out of the, the derogation and and you happen I know you have to do it when you're when you're in the derogation but um, was there a reason no, you stopped doing it?
4: N- not really time really I suppose hmm. the, when it got into the peddories I suppose they take a bit more time because when you're showing bulls a bit of time and training them and preparing them and then I suppose I was involved there for a while for a local hurling club so it was very little time but I I hope to go back to Merchant Grass because it was a terrific tool a terrific tool and, and like, another you
1: know. another aspect of the, um, the enterprise, uh, Chris, which is interesting, a lot of people would look at that and they'd say, right, the most straightforward thing here is to sell weanlings at the back end of the year and just have it, you know, if you get them into 1,011, 1,200 euro, you're going to turn money, you're going to do grand. And um, I'd say initially you were, you, were, you were doing something like that back in the day when I was with you years ago, but you've gone to bull beef now at 16 months. Just tell us a little bit about that decision and how it's working for you.
4: Yeah, yeah. Well, it was. We were sending our calves at uh, you know the same as we're sending our heifers at one. We're sending them off the farm. But I found that uh, maybe to generate an extra bit of output in the farm, maybe to go ahead and finish these bulls under sixteen months. Now, we find first of all you need to be well set off if you're going down that route. Secondly, you need to have the right product. And what what I mean by that is we mainly have primarily a quarter-bred limousine cow on the farm. We're crossing them with a charlie, charlie bull. So, find best cross to finish your animal under 16 months. Also, uh, to get the better graze, like we would expect U's, U pluses, 2 plus maybe when we're killing our animals, like, which will get all the bonuses.
1: And but, those, um, those animals, Chris, at 16 months, you're getting them into serious, serious weights. Tell us uh, what size animals they are at that age.
4: Yeah, look, they're probably getting a bit heavy. The factory doesn't be too happy with us, but we'll be chatting to to them beforehand but uh, they are some of them getting up, up to 460 kilos dead weight uh, we find that the Charlie Cross is the best for kill out like they're killing out maybe from anything from 63 to 67% wow. which is a huge kill out yeah. but we find like our cow I'll go back to the type of cow we have like we'd have a good or maybe you great cow and obviously we'd have a five star terminal bull that's why we don't actually bre- we don't breed any replacements it's all but terminal here on the farm
1: yeah, that, that weight is really incredible, Chris. 460 kilos dead weight, like for an animal under 16 months, it just does go to show you, it's, it really is all about the breeding, and that's what you've concentrated on over over the years. Uh, it's um, another aspect of it, why people uh, will attend uh, on Tuesday next, is uh, you're making money, Chris, which is uh, yeah, not, well, not, what that, not what every beef farmer is doing.
4: No, well, I suppose it all goes back to the first time I was in the Better Farm program, where it set targets of 1,000 euros of a gross margin per hectare, and... Um, Backed in you know by making different changes, we've achieved that, and last year was an exceptionally good year, I suppose, and we do have a very strong gross margin up near thirteen hundred dollars per hectare but um look at it it's, it's like ticking all the boxes it's all about your grass and management, the fertility, it's all about the breeds it's uh, there's a number of boxes that's got to be ticked um it's all about efficiency like on the farm like you know
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no absolutely I think uh, anyone that's involved in this area of, of either finishing or sucklers Chris will, will learn something if they visit your farm next week there's a big array of speakers as well uh, we have Aidan Murray from Chagas and um, Owen Ryan another man speaking there uh, yourself we're going to be running through it all it's 6pm next Tuesday evening in your farm in Crooked Wood and if you google Crooked Wood yeah gro- google yeah. Irish Grassland Association Farm Walk it'll pop up you'll have a big turnout Chris and I'll say to you many thanks for joining me here this evening and giving us a rundown on it
4: Okay, thank you, AMJ. Have a good evening. Thank you. Cheers. Uh,
1: Chris McCarty there. And as I said, that event is on next Tuesday evening, 6 p.m. And uh, the real thing with Chris's setup is simplicity and quality breeding. They're the two. And when you look at weights like that, 460 kilos dead weight uh, for bulls that are under 16 months at 63 to 67 percent kill out they are incredible figures you talk about greenhouse gas emissions there that's as efficient a system as you will come across and the breeding there is an r-grade cow usually three-quarter bred limousine it was out on chris's farm where i heard that saying years ago you you won't get a u-grade animal from anything less than an r-grade cow and uh it, uh, the proof of that is in the pudding when you see uh, those animals out there. Fine, fine, fine cows, uh, lovely shape, big animals and uh, running then a, a charlie bull with them. And that is the kind of stock then that is delivered as a result of that. Uh, so that's next Tuesday evening, 6 p.m. Now we're moving on. After the break, I'm going to be talking to David Johnson. He's the man behind thefarm.ie and that is is D-A-F-A-R-M.ie. And it is a marketplace where you can sell anything from a wheelbarrow to a tractor. We'll hear all about it in just a moment.
0: Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park, Tullamore. Supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. WORSHOW.ie
1: And you're very welcome back to Country Life here on Midlands 103. The last section of this evening's programme on Wednesday the 7th of June. I'm speaking to David Johnson and he's from thefarm.ie. David, many thanks for taking my call this evening. Pleasure, pleasure. Uh, David, explain to us all please your platform DAFARM dot i e, the farm.aE. What is it exactly?
5: It is a free website for farmers to buy and sell products, property, land, machinery, trailers, sprayers, anything. They just log on, place their ad and it's totally free.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at it here in front of me, uh, David. And I see four by four sales tractors, equipment, trailers, machinery, feed, farm shed, fencing—you name it. Uh, everything is available on here. So it's a familiar-looking platform, obviously, and you know some, another website and uh, and app doing it that farmers are well familiar with. And uh, you're trying to tap into that that market. There's a huge number of people uh, buying and selling online, no question about it. But um, What was the the background to this, David? How did you think to yourself, I'm I'm going to set up a a rival to a well-known website that sells things?
5: (laughs) Well, it's not really setting it up as a rival. Yes, it is incredibly like uh, the local, everyone that uses buy and sell, done deal, whatever. This this website is more, we're trying to gauge to encourage young farmers to not alone to buy and sell, but also we're giving them free advice on how to set up business to encourage them, to encourage people onto their farms to carry out social social projects. Like uh, I put a flyer out around the area here and the guy wants to do a nice bucket challenge, a barbecue, uh, a slither basketball frisbee challenge where they just have a challenge to get in. They say if you get an eight by four plywood sheet, drill a, a little hole in the top, big hole at the bottom, and a square or a post box size for the frisbee to go in, and they have a challenge to get all the balls in, and the winner takes all. Yeah, and so it's a
1: yeah a platform to advertise different things you might have on your on your farm, and uh, yeah, as along with that then. As content gets up and running and as users get up and running, then you're going to have different things, tractors, trailers, machinery and whatnot on it. Uh, the difference between your uh, website, though, David, and the likes of Deal is yours is for free. Uh, so how are you going to generate uh, income from it and indeed interest?
5: Right. Okay. Well, th- this is like, call it a soft start. It's two weeks old. Mm-hmm. So I go onto Midlands 103 and say, listen, please put it out there that this is a free website to buy and sell stuff cattle, sheep, everything, fencing. And then when the traffic comes, we, we then start looking at banner ads. And banner ads hopefully will pay the wages.
1: And your own background, uh, David, are you techie? Are you a tech Are you a good man with computers and, and all uh, tech, technology be, in I'd relation to this?
5: I'd be a good techie, but not a knee coder. I would be a business person. I would be a farmer i love the land i love preserving the idea that we leave it better off than we find it i love the whole concept of embracing city people or uh, business people onto the land to realize how expensive it is to grow vegetables how expensive it is you know to, to do anything with the cost of fertilizers and everything like that and with the animation automation of farms there will be more time to spend doing the likes of entertaining businesses.
1: And that's an area you feel that there is uh, value in for farmers? Oh, huge growth. Agri-tourism is huge. Like you can fill,
5: you can put a uh, barbecue area on an old run-down area. You can convert an old junk shed. Everyone has a junk shed, right? Where it's full of your great-great-grandfather's junk, hammers. Oh, don't throw that out. Put it in the junk shed. Now that junk shed can return a hundred euros a week from a company because they're going remote. They're not working in the offices. They need somewhere to store stuff. You've given them a brilliant barbecue, a great night out. You earn about a thousand euros for the night out from them, and then they can rent out your shed. When you, well, you just take all the junk out, whitewash it, black border it, black door, nice lock, and then they're. You have them forever. Like, they'll have their barbecues, they'll have their picnics, their birthday parties on your farm. So it's a little side income
1: yeah awesome. when, you, when, you're, when your platform gets up and running uh, David and uh, users are on it and then they can start marketing themselves for these agri-tourism businesses can come and connect with them and as you say come down and use facilities and whatnot there is a, ma- there is a massive market there there's no question about it and there's lots of farmers doing it throughout the Midlands and indeed throughout uh, Ireland where they're bringing tourists onto their farms and showing them exactly what they do you feel there's an element yeah. as well uh, David where businesses large businesses could, you could get maybe workers down for the day onto your farm you could have them out maybe doing a job uh, cleaning out a a dung shed or whatever the case may be and uh, this could be part of maybe team building for these businesses this is something else you feel could occur in the future
5: this is happening as we speak it's called corporate social link partnership where they feel and they have the budget to spend thousands of euros working on the comp on a farm and engaging a program with the farmer and in fostering the farm as theirs they pay thousands of euros monthly just to be have their presence felt on the farm. They want might want to plant apple trees. You go and beat yourself up, lads, away you go. There's a bank that you can take apple trees, string them back and keep going. It's, it's all there.
1: If they, the fancied, uh, coming, if they fancy coming down to any of the dairy farms around the Midlands during the springtime, David, there'll be lots of jobs for them there between milk powder, <laughs> cleaning out cleaning out calf sheds, iodine, <laughs> you name it. Uh, lots going now, on. David, I'm just <laughs> running running out of time on it. Um, okay. But as I said, look, it's the farm.ie. You want people to log on, have a look at it and by all means start popping their stuff up on it and uh, eventually when uh, when your usership grows, uh, there's lots of other angles and elements that people uh, can use uh, and come uh, and from Jay, on One it.
5: last thing. One last quick thing. That... If you have an empty shed, right, we're going to put a little tick box on the ads. When you place your ad, you tick a box that says we have sheds for rent, whether it's from film crews or whether it's from hauliers that need seasonal storage. Once they see that tick, we'll be canvassing the businesses, haulage businesses, film crews to go on and look at all the farmers who have sheds or have farms for rent for films or for storage in big sheds.
1: Yeah, very, very good. Another income stream. David, I'm going to say many thanks to you. We wish you all the best to yeah, farm.ie. Thank you. Uh, and as I said, farm.ie, David Johnson there, and uh, lots of potential ideas there for that. And it is uh, something which he feels is going to grow and grow. And he's talking about all the different income streams you can have on your farm there. And uh, undoubtedly, you do, I suppose the element of that is you just do have to watch a little bit. Uh, if you're bringing people in, you want to have yourself covered with insurance and whatnot, and make sure you're all uh, clear on that regard. But uh, lots of opportunities there. And as I said, farm.ie. Who knows, in a couple of years' time, that might be the website we're talking about when we go to buy and sell any agri-related product. Uh, now, that's it for this evening's programme. I want to thank David Johnson for joining me there. also thank Chris McCarty, Suckler Farmer from Crooked Wood. That event's next Tuesday evening at 6pm. Adam Woods from the Farmer's Journal joined me as well, talking about the beef trade and also how they're managing the drought on Tullamore Farm. Uh, fingers crossed we do get a little bit of rain out this weekend. Uh, we're all looking forward. And at the start of the show, Francie Gorman South Leinster chairman of the IFA came on to officially tell us that he is running for the IFA presidency and we wish him well. My show is repeated on Sunday morning at 7am until 8am. I'll be back with you this time next week as always. You can catch the show wherever you get your podcasts if you put in MJ space Cleary, C-L-E-R-Y. We will pop up and you can listen at your leisure. We'll speak to you in a week's time. Joe Cooney's up next with Country Roads. Good night and God bless.
0: Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tullamore, supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands, worshaw.ie.